0: I do look at the roster and what we have in the coaching staff. We should win games. We have to perform though. We're going to hold ourselves to a high standard, no matter what happens. The you know, defense is going to do what they do. And last time I heard, they can't win if they don't score points. This is the Cleveland Browns preview show. Your chance to get an in-depth preview of the week ahead in Berea. You're listening to the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. <laughs> Your hosts, Kim Carmen and Gerard Cherry. In the words
1: of Motley Crue, they are on their way home, sweet home. Your Cleveland Browns back at First Energy Stadium coming up this Sunday with a meeting with the Philadelphia Eagles, and we preview it all tonight on the Cleveland Browns Preview Show. Good evening, friends. Ken Carman alongside of Gerard Cherry. As the Browns get set to take on the Philadelphia Eagles over the next hour, we'll take you through all the machinations of what happened last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars and get you set for an odd preseason game as these two teams will meet two times over consecutive practices and then get ready to do bidding in front of the fans on Sunday. Joining me, Gerard Cherry. Gerard, good evening, my friend.
2: Good evening, Kenneth.
1: Away we go to four downs. First, First down. down. All right, breaking down preseason game number one, Gerard, a 24-13 win over Jacksonville. A bit of a rough start, but a very nice finish. Who stood out to you,
2: buddy? Oh, really, for me, it was the rookie class. Great job of Andrew Berry and company of drafting guys that look like they could be contributors. You got Ford, you got York, you got Emerson. You got Thomas. Those three guys right there, and even Perry Yon, though he didn't have a sack, has some impact on the game. So I just named four guys that are part of this year's draft class, yes, and they all had major impact on the outcome of this football game.
1: Boy, they really did. Isaiah Thomas looked good as well. I mean, and Jerome Ford, hey, I know he had the fumble there, but Jerome Ford looked fantastic. I know that Kevin Stefanski wants everybody to hold on to the ball, but Jerome Ford looked great. A couple of offensive linemen I thought were able to show up. And then even – I I loved it because I watched the whole thing. I listened to you guys watch the whole thing. And I'll tell you this, Gerard, I felt so good for Herb Miller. I'm watching the game with my son, (laughs) and he has to give up that bad P.I., which you played D.B., I did. And I was like, man, there's nothing this poor guy could do in this case. And you knew it was P.I. Everybody knew it was P.I. And I go, I said out loud to Axel, I go, I really hope he gets a chance to make up for this and comes up with the pick in the end zone to get the Browns the ball back. So it was nice to see some of the back-end guys of this roster be able to show their wares and show what they can do. However, it was a tough night with the loss of Nick Harris. How tough is this loss for this offensive line, buddy?
2: Well, it diminishes the depth at the offensive line. We had this issue last year, and it was very problematic For our football team, and it's already started in training camp. At least we got to the season and we started having these issues, but it's popping up now. So I don't know if that's a blessing or a curse, Ken, to have it happen early because at least you have time to adjust. But right now we're actually probably down another center as well. But Posick, rather, is going to have to just step up and take advantage of this opportunity. But to have a guy work as hard as Nick has to, one, put the weight on, make the transition, and finally get his opportunity to go down on the second play. At the line of, the, of, of play of the game, that's yep. very heart, hurtful, heartfelt for him. And just hope he has a speedy recovery because that's definitely someone we were counting on to do a lot of things at the, on the offensive line as far as being a center and his ability to move around and get things done.
1: And you felt so terrible for him because that was the thing that people kept saying was just how hard he worked coming into training camp throughout the entire offseason. Spent a lot of time. Uh, in Cleveland, working out with the training staff, working out with the health and nutrition and strength strength staff, and, and just doing his best. He knew that this was going to be his crack at being a starting lineman in the NFL and to go down so early. It's such a tough break for Nick Harris. Everybody wishing him very, very well in his recovery, but it leaves a hole open for this Cleveland Browns football team, and now you have to address this center position. It's going to be difficult for Jacoby Brissett, Deshaun Watson, Josh Dobbs, Josh Rosen, because that center position is an anchor across the offensive line. And it's really tough for the fans, Gerard, because over the last three years, this has been one of the best offensive lines in the NFL on paper. They just can't seem to stay healthy together. It feels like they're snake bin in that case.
2: It, it certainly does. As I alluded to earlier, that last year, our, you can make the argument that our season collapsed when we lost all the guys that we did lose. And I know in particular when Wyatt Teller missed a couple games that – We lost our identity. So you need to have these guys together. And why do you say that? Well, playing offensive line, I call it an orchestra where you have to be in sync. Guys have to be on the same page and have a rapport, just like you have to have in the secondary as well because so much is going on at the line scrimmage. If you're not picking up blitzes, if you don't understand what the stunts are, your quarterback is going to get demolished. It all starts up front at the line of scrimmage, and if you have guys going in and out and not comfortable with each other, it can be very problematic. And not to mention, heck, the center to quarterback exchange. If you're mm-hmm. not used to that guy, that could become a problem and a major issue as well.
1: Yeah, you have to have a rapport. It's time for second down. Second down. Training camp, even though we have you know, another preseason game after this Sunday, it feels like training camp goes on forever. Officially, training camp is over. Can you give me some guys who might have made names for themselves and helped themselves the most during this training camp?
2: Well, hey, it's, it's really the guys we just named earlier as far as an impact on the game. the mm-hmm. show flashes in training camp. Emerson has certainly done his thing in training camp from a DB standpoint and covering guys and making a name for himself and having to actually play out. In a football game on Friday against the Jaguars, and then you look at York. The guy was what, 28 of 30 or something like that during the course of training camp. So that's some insane numbers. So I say those three guys in particular really helped their cause as far as saying, you know what, we should not just be okay. Those are guys are reserve. We'll work them in where we can to where you're saying yourself. "Hmm, How do we get them involved more early and often?
1: Do you have any leaders in the clubhouse on some of these position battles? Wide receiver. You know, we did just talk a little bit about the offensive line. I think defensive tackle is an interesting conversation, Gerard. Are there any names that have stood out to you?
2: Uh, Right now, as far as the defensive tackles is concerned, it's still wide open. These two practices against Philadelphia, I believe, are going to cement that position because you're going to go against another offensive line. And on two days in a row, and I promise you, it's going to be spirited. It's going to be guys getting after it and not oh, yeah. kind of going through the motions like you might get with his. And guys don't really go through the motions. That's not fair to say, even in practice. But just put it this way: the intensity will be raised, and you'll get opportunity to see how you stand. So I think the defensive tackle position is still a gigantic question mark, and I would say the same thing about the third wide receiver as well. Is it Schwartz? Is it Bell? Is it Woods? Mm -hmm. Is it who? We don't know. So right now I'd say that issue is not settled as well as far as the two positions that we're really looking at. But Diamond Peoples-Jones, I believe, is a solid two, and Amari is the one. And I think we got that part figured out. But who's the three and who's the four? That is an open book question.
1: Away we go to third down. Third down. Now a two-part preview against the Eagles. You have a couple of joint practices coming up. These have become so important, Gerard, because – Now you can control what you want to control. You can work on specific coverages. You can work on specific situational football. With the CBA, with the change to 17 games, we might see 18 games here within the next decade as well. Are joint practices, Gerard, the wave of the future?
2: Oh, the wave of the future, they're the wave of now. (laughs) They're here. (laughs) They're not going nowhere. And I like what you said earlier, kid. the idea that at some point we're going to get to 18 football games In the season, right? Yeah. I mean, I feel that's around the corner. At some point, that's going to be negotiated in the CBA, and it'll be a done deal. And with that, you're going to see even more so a greater emphasis on the idea of let's get a couple teams in town, we practice against them, we work on things that we feel, one, we're weak at, and we need to have specific designs so that they can see where we're at with that and have people attack that on purpose. And it allows you to be more strategic because if preseason games don't count, and you're not playing them to win, look at it from this perspective. If you're not playing to win, why not do some way you can actually control the environment completely and get what you worked on worked on, and then when a preseason game comes, you just really go out there and put the younger guys out there and let them bang into each other and then call it a day. That's yep. what it's become. So, yes, these practices are of the utmost importance. I would argue at this point now, Ken, they're more important than the actual preseason games at this stage of the NFL.
1: Well, talking to Kevin Stefanski earlier this week and and speaking to some Browns players, you know I know that they are going to be going after each other here over the next couple of days. Now, it's a question usually whether the winner of the week wins the first day of practice. Is that something you agree with or disagree with, Gerard?
2: I, if I was banking on the what took place in the preseason game, I would say yes, but no, I don't agree with that because it's about consistency throughout because you can have a good first day, and the next day you're resting on your laurels. Ah, oh, we got this. This team ain't even that good. This squad kind of whack. I'm not going to work that hard. It's all about who puts it in for the three days that you're involved. And I say from the two practices all the way into the preseason game, you yes. want to be the one executing. You want to be the one out-hitting, and you want to be the one out-hustling because the one thing you can never forget, especially if you're a player, There is someone in those stands watching you from a scouting standpoint, and there's definitely someone in the front office watching you. So you better show up and show out. And, yes, I do believe it's about who's more consistent, who ultimately wins, not just on the first day.
1: And we got to see him last year when the Giants came to town before their preseason game. You remember Joe Judge's squad. Uh, they were very upset with their performance in day one of the joint practices. They to came the back the next
2: day, though, to their credit, didn't they? It, there was. And there was some heat at the end of that practice as well. So,
1: you know, it, it was very hot last summer. It's not as hot this summer, but it was very hot last summer. Heat gets to a man. And when you're battling for a job, Gerard, you know things can get chippy out there between two guys who don't know each other but are both – battling for a job so it's something that we hope doesn't happen you want to get good work in but and when that temperature starts to get up towards 90 and that heat index gets up there and then that dew point joe thomas talks about that dew point a good wisconsin man a good midwest man knows a good dew point and he starts to say that thing starts to climb up climb up towards 70 and you those clothes start getting heavy and those feet start squishing around and those and those cleats it It becomes an uncomfortable time. And when a man comes uncomfortable, you know, Gerard, he becomes unhinged.
2: Yes, he does. And I can talk from experience. You talk about the the Midwest. People don't realize that. That dew point thing is for real. One of the (laughs) hottest days I experienced in my life was in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Where the dew point had to be a thousand because I could literally (laughs) squeeze my hands together and drink water. That's how bad it was. And we had a joint practice with the Chicago Bears at the same time. It was so hot, Ken, they canceled the practice the next day.
1: And that was back in, what, is that back in the early 2000s? And this is back
2: when they did double days, 10 days straight. That's how hot it was.
1: To the 90s, Gerard. I mean, that's. Yeah
2: unbearable
1: at that time all right time for fourth down fourth
3: Fourth down. down
1: previewing the actual games we know that a lot of starters won't play in this one coming up on sunday another opportunity for the young guys to get some valuable reps like you said a chance for deshaun watson to maybe get some reps how long would you play him if he's able to go this is interesting i mean he is the Browns starter but he's not going to start the season Do you want to put him out there with the twos, knowing that the starting offensive line isn't going to be playing in this game for the most
2: part? Uh, I wouldn't play him long because I'm not going to put my $230 million franchise quarterback in harm's way. And we already got some injury issues on the offensive line. So I gave him a couple series and let my ones from a protection standpoint be out there with him. But I am no way, shape, form, or fashion going to put him out there with a makeshift offensive line. Now, granted, Joe Batonio didn't play last week. And he had one guy filling in, but I'm not going to have a situation where it's two starters and the rest are backups and see and say, hey, go get the job done. I'm not going to put him in that type of harm's way. But then again, maybe the coaches feel otherwise.
1: You do have a little bit of time before the start of the season. I don't know, with him and Jacoby, I, I might just let Josh Dobbs go the pre- predominant portion of the football game, I'll let Josh Rosen get a lot of work in because... Both those guys are very, very, very important, and you don't want to have any of those injuries happen. Now, I know we don't like to say, well, they're more, not more important than the others, and we don't like to coach towards injury, but, I mean, Gerard, you know it, and I know it, it it's, these are big-time investments for this football team, and you want to make sure they're out there with their best. So Kevin Stefanski has some big decisions to make for this Sunday. He'll talk about those on the Kevin Stefanski Show coming up on Thursday night. we got so much more coming up on this show. Day night, we'll go around the AFC East and the NFC East as we preview both those divisions a little bit later on. The voice here, Cleveland Browns, Jim Donovan, will join us in a bit. But up next, Browns Pro Bowl right guard Wyatt Teller. We go one on one, myself and Wyatt. It's coming up next in the Cleveland Browns Preview Show on the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network.
0: This is Greg Newsom II. This is
4: Wyatt Teller, and you are listening to the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. University Hospitals is your hometown medical team and official health care provider for the Cleveland Browns.
1: Back at Berea, Ken Carmen, alongside of Gerard Cherry. The Cleveland Browns preview show getting you set for Sunday afternoon, a Sunday afternoon preseason game. As the Browns host the Philadelphia Eagles, and to preview it, we welcome in Browns guard Wyatt Teller. Wyatt, thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you for having me. So you told me before our interview here you've become somewhat of a sommelier is that true
4: (laughs) i wouldn't i wouldn't say exactly that um you know in in college i took wine tasting i had a couple friends in that class so we all had a good time learning the regions and learning all this stuff and how to taste wine and the correct way of doing it um but now i'm kind of more on bourbon bourbon is more of my my forte my brother is uh he really he he's really good at what he does with it so you know he kind of helps me with uh some of the hard to get bottles but for the most part um you know
1: i'm just building a nice little collection collection of bourbon you really are i mean because people saw the video of you with the gator and so they would think that you're kind of a backwoods in the swamp type of guy obviously you can do that but you really are a man of culture
4: yeah you know uh when when you have a cool job like the nfl you get six months off in the, the off season so you get you know, i always grew up hunting so you know I, I, I still go hunting but you know um adding a little bit of uh, distinction to it is nice and that's kind of where the bourbon comes in
1: is there a wild animal? There was a story of a wallaby that's going around, I believe, Stark County right now that got out, I think, from a menagerie. Is there a wild animal that you would ever deal with in hand-to-hand combat?
4: Probably something smaller than me. Um, well, then again, all animals, even if they're smaller than me, are probably ten times stronger than me because they're wild. Yeah. Um, no, you know, I again, I'm not the go out and get a wild crazy animal i'm not the kind of guy to go to a african safari and get a lion that's just not my style but um the gator that i you know harvested was uh was pin raised it was raised for one reason and that was really yeah that was what it was that's what it was raised for so it's not like i was out here killing them you know an endangered species of course yeah. there's a million uh gators in florida um or more um they're kind of like in a weird way not squirrels but kind of like skunks up here you know it's it's like you see them you know you don't you don't always see them every day but you see them you know if you go down by the water if you you go into their habitat you're gonna see them um so it's funny you know whenever i got backlash from that i remember um 98 of people were like oh that's so cool and then you know it's always the two
1: percent that are the loudest yeah they some people get upset about that type of thing so um i didn't by the way but um so have you ever touched a live gator by any chance? Yeah, I mean, so really?
4: the way that yeah, the way that it was done was, I mean, I'm not putting my hand near its mouth, of course, but um, but I was fishing and you use a treble hook, throw it over its back and kind of like wrangle it in with like you know three, I mean tuna braids of three hundred, four hundred pound, um, braid, and uh, you're fighting it and then it, you know sits down and then once you get it off, you know you got to kind of pull it up out of the water once you get it close enough, um, and then you humanely you know put it out. And uh, you know I've hunted my entire life, and it was it was funny. That's what I got in trouble for, and that was probably the most humane, quickest you know, kill ever. Uh, you know, kill in quotations, but you know, um, humanely put it down, and it was just it was cool. Well,
1: a lot of outdoorsmen like yourself are big uh, conservationists. Some people wouldn't realize that.
4: Yeah, people don't realize that we also like, for example, if you see the best hunters, white tail hunters in the country, they spend hours weeks making sure that the plots are right that they're feeding the animals they're not shooting every animal Mm -hmm. in the woods especially around here um you know uh in ohio and the midwest they really take care of their deer and they care about them they love them i mean they're they're not family members but they're damn near they have nicknames for all the big bucks you know it's it's a it's a different thing it's not just brown and down where sometimes in virginia it can kind of be you go down and anything brown in the woods you're you're shooting and that's not safe and that's not good and it's not very sportsmanship but Um, I I learned a little differently. Um, But, yeah, no, some of the best
1: conservationists are people that hunt. Wyatt Teller, a real Teddy Roosevelt, joining us right here on the show. Uh, You host Philadelphia. It's a weird week coming up because you host Philadelphia for a series of joint practices. Then there's the preseason game on Sunday. We'll talk about the preseason game on Sunday here in a moment. Joint practice, do you like the idea?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think that for a lot of positions it's good. Um, You know, the scrum that is offensive and defensive line, it gets a little bit – I mean – you even get a little choppy and pushy and punchy and, you know, nudgy with, um, you know, your own defensive linemen, and those are the guys that, you know, you deal with every day that are on your team. I mean, when it's another team, it's it's just, you know, it's, a, uh, it's an attitude, and, you know, they're a very good D-line. We're a good offensive line. We just, you know, it's, it's going to be chippy. You will run into each other during these joint practices, correct? Yes. We are – I think they're full pads. Um, trying to get better. I mean, as long as – and that's the thing is both teams – the the reason they do this is to better each other. It's not to it's not to hurt anybody. It's not to like impose your will or anything. It's you know it's hey we got stuff to work on and we want to see it against different people at full speed um, and have more days than just one game to kind of see it over it.
1: Is this really the wave of the future in preseason? Do you see it as? I mean you know the CBA will change eventually, but preseason games I know for fans it's it's the normal thing. You see clocks running down and you see those situations, but. In a, in a preseason joint practice, in a training camp joint practice, you can work on high red zone, those type of things, and really get the good work in you want.
4: Exactly. Like, you know, you can have, instead of maybe think, for example, goal line or something like that, where you might get goal line ten times a year, you can get ten reps in one period. Mm-hmm. So that's, it's, it, it does help the coaches. It helps. And plus, it's, I mean, you know, the people who are seeing our um, – our team understanding who they have, you know, the schemes that they're running. It's different than our off
1: or, you know, our defense. So it gives you a little bit of a a change of pace. White Teller joining us on the show. So during a preseason game that you don't play in, what do you do during that game?
4: Try to bring the young guys along, Um, you know, watch. And in a way you're kind of showing the young guys or guys who are behind you what you want during the game, Um, you know, in a way. You're seeing, hey, you know, I watched that third down, you know, where'd you get your strike? You know, what'd you do with your hands? Um, I noticed that he did a little stutter step and then went in, you know, certain things like that, that, you know, can be like that. It's hard to see when you're in the moment, but when you're on the field watching it, you can or off the field watching it. You can kind of see, understand and get an idea and help the guys, uh, you know, in front of you. And um, in a way, it's, you know, trying to show leadership through, you know, doing it nick harris goes down last week how much of a downer was that yeah he worked extremely hard it, it's sad um you know he earned it he's he trained here every day off season it sucks, it sucks. It,
1: it's so unfortunate because you know third year and i mean what year were you dra- or what round were you drafted uh fifth round and i came here after my uh well
4: during my second season it was right after uh fall camp um after my rookie year and then uh I played, I started seven games here, uh, or excuse me, nine games, um, nine games my second year. And then that was my first off season here. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was the first, uh, first start of it. But yeah, no, it was a fifth round draft pick, um, to Buffalo and then, uh, traded after about 18 months.
2: So
1: he's a fifth round pick. Now I know he's always been here in Cleveland, but it's kind of the same journey in a lot of ways. Yeah. In a lot of ways.
4: Um, you know, he's where um I mean I can't talk enough about his work and his work ethic and what kind of guy he is. Um, you know, that's the that's the part of football that sucks. How's it like working with Bill Callahan? It's good. He's uh he's a good coach, um, he's a madman, but he's uh he's gonna get the best out of his players. Um I'm a firm believer that, you know, he's a great development of talent. Um, you know, even where I, I was at, you know, I never thought that I was a bad player. Um but you know, so, so much raw ability that he was able to kind of tap into. And, you know, of course it kind of, it takes two to tango, you know, I have to buy in and do what he, do what he's asking. You know, obviously if I'm, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I was willing to drink. I was like, yes, sir. You know, whatever's in the Kool-Aid, but um, no, he's uh, he's a great coach. Um, extremely smart, uh, hardworking. Um, I don't think there's a lot of coaches that can outwork Bill Callahan. Um, uh,
1: I'd put my money on that. What does he do to keep it interesting every day to keep it competitive every day?
4: He does have a good sense of humor, but for the most part, um you know, he's he's screaming and yelling, he's making sure that uh you know, you know how important this is um to not only you, to the guy next to you, but to everyone. I mean, to the people of Cleveland, um you know, he wants to win and you know,
1: his uh his competitive edge is uh contagious. Baby on the way, what is the most valuable advice you've gotten? What's the least valuable advice you think you've gotten?
4: Well, so many parents are like, hey, make sure you uh, duck up on sleep and, you know, sleep as much as you can. And I'm in the season, so I can't sleep too, uh, too much. But, uh, um, no, I mean, it, it, it'll be an uh, absolute blessing. I'm excited to, uh, to you know, start this uh, journey. Um, I know my wife is a, she's going to be a great mama. Um, but, yeah, I know I'm excited, uh, you know. I don't. I wouldn't say there's any bad advice. You know, it's kind of you kind of dictate through the advice. Um, knowing my siblings' kids, my son's going to be absolutely crazy. Yeah. He's already active in in the womb, <laughs> so I already know that he's going to be running around, um, tackling kids at two years old. But uh, no, I'm excited, and you know, I know that um, you know it's uh, it'll be a real adjustment. But um, I'm thankful to you know have uh, Carly in my life and you know start this start this journey. Is his room ready yet? It's it's getting there. I, I tell my wife, "Look, you're going to have baby showers, you're going to get a lot of stuff, you know, clothing, books, stuff like that." Um and she just keeps on buying stuff. So, I don't know. You can never be too prepared. You can never be too prepared.
1: The sleep thing, I got to be honest with you, it's like it's not a bank. You know, it's like, well, when you sleep, you sleep. Yeah, it's like a sh- I
4: mean, I I know that there's sleep bank sleeping, you know, you can bank some sleep, but
1: after a week, you you know, there's no banking sleep. I got to throw it at you. The diaper genie to me is a waste it just smells up the room i'll tell you that everybody everybody wants to get one you'll probably get one anyway maybe you'll agree with me in a year um the thing that oh the swaddle the swaddle was the biggest issue i heard the snoo which is
4: a crazy expensive baby thing um that uh, uh little what well, i don't even what would that be called yeah but the it, snoo, um we had the mamaroo. Yeah. Yeah, and I've yeah. heard the mamaroo. Um but that, I think that that's, you know, everybody that's talked to us they are like, look, you're getting 14-15 hours of sleep from a baby. Yeah. That's unheard of, you know. So it's like, I don't know if it's the machine or maybe it's the rockin' or whatever it is, but um it's um it's cool to kind of hear people's experiences and stuff like that it's expensive i mean that thing's
1: like 1600 bucks and it's- the resale values through the roof though you usually make most of your money back
4: good good yeah we have uh jack conklin who's uh, our neighbor he uh caitlin his wife uh just um sold theirs and we were like babe we didn't go and get that we would have saved 400 bucks but no it was uh it was still cool and um you know i know they have a baby on
1: the way too but we'll see what what they're doing Wyatt, we thank you very much for the time Enjoy the rest of training camp. Good luck this year. Thank you, Ken. Wyatt Teller in the player spotlight. When we come back, we'll go around the league. You're listening to the Cleveland Browns Preview Show on the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network.
0: This is the Cleveland Browns Preview Show on the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Ken Carmen and Gerard Cherry. Browns and Eagles
1: coming up Sunday, 1 p.m. We'll be on with you at 9 a.m. to get you set with Browns game day, myself and Gerard Cherry. And then Jason Pinkston will join us at 10 a.m. The Cleveland Browns kickoff show with Andy Basket will start at 11 and we'll take you up until kickoff time with Jim Donovan, Nathan Zagura, and Gerard Cherry live from First Energy Stadium as the Browns take on the Philadelphia Eagles. Jim Donovan, the voice of your Cleveland Browns, will join us coming up in the next segment. But without further ado, one of our favorite times of the week for Gerard and I, It's time we go around the AFC and go around the AFC and NFC East as we get set for the 2022 season. Question the first, Geron. If the Browns can't live, or excuse me, if the Bills can't live up to the hype, what will be the reason why?
2: I am going to say they will miss... Brian Dabo no longer being the offensive coordinator, and now he's obviously the head coach of the New York Giants. So if I was to give a reason why they would like fall that. off, it might be the miscommunication that may take place between the quarterback and the new offensive coordinator.
1: They're still looking for a uh, running game, but I think it's actually going to be if the defense can't step up, and, they, and they're an improved defense, but if the defense can't step up, he's he just runs the risk of being outgunned by somebody else and not having enough time. I think that that might be – the reason why I, I I think that in the AFC you know Josh Allen is has proven to be you know one of the best now yeah if not the bumps. best in, in the AFC and I, everybody's down on Patrick Mahomes I don't think really? it's going to go that way why? yeah because of Tariq Hill the, one the, guy I, the, I mean
2: he still has the best tight end probably in the National Football League and the numbers speak to it in Travis oh, Kelsey. It's, and Lord there's, knows, the other guys seem to make plays as well. So I don't get where this down on Patrick Mahomes is. But the guys are like 50 and 13. There's guys that
1: – we said so <laughs> many good things about Patrick Mahomes. I think people like to – I think people hold back mm-hmm. maybe negative opinions on guys. I mean, there's haters everywhere, right? And I hate no using doubt. that term, but it's true. People hold back some negative opinions. And now when the second half happened against Cincinnati – it's just like everybody can just take a ball bat out and beat on that bag, uh-huh. and he's just become a pinata for some of the folks out there. And, you know, when Denver gets Russell Wilson, it becomes a trendy pick because I thought Denver was a quarterback away from being a real playoff contender last year, at least to make the playoffs last year. and Now they got themselves a quarterback, so it becomes a trendy thing. I, I think that if, if they do get stopped, Josh Allen is just outgunned by somebody and runs out of time. The 13 seconds that happened against Kansas City, that type of thing – I think if it happens again, that's the way it goes. Factor Fiction, Tua Tungavailoa will be the Dolphins quarterback one year from now.
2: I am going to go with Fiction. And the reason why I say that is all due respect to him. But when you have Tariq Hill saying the stuff he's saying, and I hope it goes well for Tua because I think he's a good dude and and hopefully he just can figure it out. But it just seems like the pro game may not fit his skill set or what he wants to do. And I just really have concerns that they're going to punt on him, give him one more chance, and then Mm. this is it. And he's going to have to do it. So can he handle that pressure? We'll see. And I hate to wish bad on him because I'm not. But I just got a sense of feeling it's not going to work out there for him, man. I don't know why I feel that way, but I do.
1: I agree. Fiction. Tom Brady's going to be the quarterback of the Dolphins next year. (laughs) And slash part owner. In fact, well, I didn't want to go that far, but I i going going to go that far with you. It's true. All right, one more. Pick your the winner for each division and why, AFC East, NFC East.
2: Oh, it's really simple. For the AFC East, you have to go with the Bills. That's a no-brainer. That makes all mm-hmm. the sense in the world. The Patriots are having issues on who's going to be the coordinator. The Jets yeah. don't have a quarterback again. And then when you look at what's taking place with the other teams there – the Dolphins, Dolphins, who knows yeah. who's going to go with them. And for mm-hmm. the NFC East, I'm going to actually say the Philadelphia Eagles because I don't think the Cowboys are going to get it done. And here's why I don't think the Cowboys are going to get it done. Ooh! I don't think they're going to get it done because I believe Mike McCarthy realizes this has been under the radar. People stop talking about this kid. But, gosh, it's not Gus Bradley, is it?
1: Uh, yeah. What about
2: Gus Bradley? Defensive coordinator, correct? Yes, yes. No one's talking about this. But you know Jerry Jones and company, they want to replace McCarthy with Bradley, yeah. in my opinion. And I think that's some turmoil oh, right there. I'm There's sorry. I'm, really...
1: I'm having a brain freeze. Gus Bradley's with the Colts right now. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They could still replace it with him. Go ahead. What were you no, going to say?
2: Whoever, former head coach of the Falcons is now their defense coordinator, and it's escaping me who his name is right now. But my whole point is the defensive coordinator is an heir apparent. I think Dan, gonna, Quinn. Dan, Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn. Thank you. That's going to throw things off with the Cowboys. I just believe that they're gonna get and I like what this I've seen the, I like what I saw of the Eagles last year. I think they're gonna build on it with Nick Seriana. I
1: I'm gonna say Buffalo. I wanna say Dallas because of the talent. I'm gonna say Philly. I'm gonna agree with you. And that is around the AFC and the NFC East preview in both of those divisions. Coming up next, the voice of your Cleveland Browns, Jim Donovan. will talk about the joint practices set to happen over the next couple of days and the Browns and Eagles live from First Energy Stadium coming up on Sunday afternoon. You're listening to the Cleveland Browns preview show on the University Hospitals, Cleveland Browns Radio Network win, lose, or draw. If you don't play the standard, there's corrections to be made and there's things to
0: be done that are going to benefit the team. And we're all trying to work to those goals. This is the Cleveland Browns preview show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Ken Carmen and Gerard Cherry.
1: Preseason game number two coming at you on Sunday afternoon, but you might want to get one of those our lads depth charts, or go over to Browns.com and get a couple of depth charts yourself because you're going to need them. There's going to be some back end of the roster guys who are playing on Sunday. This man has his work cut out for him. He'll be on the call for Sunday afternoon's contest. Jim Donovan, the voice of your Cleveland Browns, joins us here tonight. Jim, thanks for joining us.
3: Good to be with you guys, Ken. I am all over our lads and have been doing it throughout the afternoon before joining <laughs> you, taking a look at that fourth and fifth slot. on on the both teams depth charts
1: yeah there's gonna be some uh there's gonna be some interesting names uh popping up here throughout these games here I, i i go back to last year uh jim where you had the joint practice against the new york giants uh for a couple of days then they played the giants and you didn't see a lot of starters then is this just something that hey we're just all gonna get
3: used to here It looks that way, Ken. It looks like it's the uh, new way in the NFL, and it's not just with us. It's with everybody else that everybody is going to these joint practices, and they kind of base the whole training camp Mm -hmm. for the real hard work during these two days that they get against another team, and in this case the Philadelphia Eagles. And then they really approach the third preseason game as kind of a dress rehearsal game. If you remember last year when we went to Atlanta, for the third game, the last game of that preseason, Baker Mayfield and the number one offense played, you know, basically the first quarter in that game, had a couple of drives, and then they came out, and then the next thing you know, you're getting ready for Kansas City. And I think that's that's kind of a standard operating procedure now around the NFL.
2: And, Jim, how much do you think Jacoby Brissett will run with the ones in these two joint practices with the Eagles Thursday and Friday?
3: I would think, Gerard, probably uh, a great deal because I think, as I said, they're really counting on these two days to get in a lot of good work, um, and he's not going to play, and we've known that now for about a week, that he's not going to play in this third game, and then he would play in the Bears game. Um, But that's a long time waiting for that game. So I think, uh, you know, right now this would be two days where he would get the most work that he has gotten so far in training camp because leading up to this point in time, He's been really getting secondary snaps with the Browns' offense uh, because they were really dishing it out to Deshaun Watson. That has to, of course, be tipped upside down now, and you have to really start to get Brissett going. No matter what happens, whenever this does happen, and we get some kind of finality in the Watson case, we know that Brissett is going to be the starting quarterback, um, or at least it really it, it points that way that he's going to be the starting quarterback um in in carolina on that opening sunday on september 11th so i would think you know these two days coming up are big big days for him he'll get a lot
2: of work exactly and speaking of deshaun watson ken posed this question to me earlier jim i'll pose it to you do you anticipate deshaun watson getting some run in the preseason game against the eagles yeah
3: i would think so i think um why not and i think it went so poorly last Friday night in Jacksonville that I don't think you want to leave it at that, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you just want to have a good outing before it might be your last outing. And I think that that thing went off the tracks right from the very first play and it continued and it was so bumpy uh, and so choppy and so nonproductive that there really wasn't anything you could take away from that, that that had any positive glow to it. So I would think if you have the opportunity to play him, why not? put him in there again and let's see. And plus you would get the opportunity to play him at home because I don't think you can discount the fact that that booing was so new to him. I don't know that he had ever been booed anywhere, really in college or certainly down in Houston. Um, and, I, and he was really roundly booed, and that was just a taste of probably what it's going to be whenever he gets out on the field in a regular season game. In fact, that was probably the minimum of it. It was probably even going to get louder. Yeah,
1: and I, I got to agree with you, Jim, because first off, we always kind of make jokes about how n- poorly attended games in Jacksonville are regardless, but it seemed to be like right. there, it, because there were so few people, you could hear some more of the boos than what you usually could because When the stadium's packed, it's like, well, it kind of all runs together and away you go, so maybe it stuck out a little bit more. Were there maybe other reasons why things just looked like they just woke up on the wrong side of the bed? Because at one point it looked like, hey, this is kind of so off schedule, maybe it's just one of those days that we can just pitch it and move on and get ready for the Philadelphia Eagles or the Chicago Bears coming up next week.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, Ken, if he had hit the first pass, which was so wide open to Anthony Schwartz, Uh, if he had hit that maybe things I, i i would like to think that things would have clicked in a little bit more but it was such a big play in the offing and and there were a lot of good parts to it i mean from the snap and the play action fake and the bootleg that was all good but when he let it go i mean it was just way over schwartz's head and he was wide open and then everything after that i mean nick harris goes down schwartz drops a couple of balls you know a couple of penalties dearness johnson the next time around fumbles i mean I really, I would like to think that you know that first play, though it shouldn't, you know, it shouldn't be that way. I mean, they're pros and they should be able to put one play behind them. But this was a, this was a, a unique set of circumstances that this guy hadn't played in a game since you know way back when. I mean, it was over 500 days yeah. the last time he was in a game. So I just think that uh, you know he needs probably a couple of good series to get himself mentally on the right track that okay this is working this is what it's like to be in a game again against an opposing team rather than you know the second defense of the browns
1: Uh, looking at the secondary or looking at i should say the second and third team boy there was some quality depth though uh last week who were some of the names that stuck out to you because they looked good and they sounded good listening to you guys on the broadcast
3: yeah i gotta tell you if you're in the browns personnel department and it's I've really got to tell you, they have unearthed some interesting talent. Uh, the kid, DeAnthony Bell, who I saw a couple of Fridays ago, it was a day, in, and Gerard will remember this, when the rains came down in, in Berea, and the team about three-quarters of the way through practice got moved indoors to the indoor facility. And he's number 37. He's out of West Florida. He was found by Jeff Howard, the secondary coach, when he was the defensive coordinator in the East-West Shrine game last last spring or last winter And, and he found him and he played really well in that game for him. And so then he came back and said, Hey, we should take a good look at this kid. And they had known a little bit about him anyway. And he's, he really is playing well. Anyway, in that Friday practice, he had a, a pick six in that practice. And then he's come back and he really played well. He, he knocked the ball out, forced the fumble. He he made some real aggressive plays. So he was an interesting guy. I thought that played very, very well. Um, You know, Jerome Ford, I mean, he's a fifth round draft choice, but boy, he didn't look like a fifth round draft choice to me. <laughs> yeah. He played really, really well, and you know, and I, I was really surprised with Josh Dobbs because we had seen so little of him getting any kind of reps in practice, and certainly in the spring during mandatory minicamp and the OTAs, that he went out there and he really operated the offense flawlessly I thought I mean he he took them on three scoring drives so I thought he was I thought he was exceptional there were a lot of other guys too uh down the line that are going to make for some interesting decisions now for the Browns you know coaching staff and the personnel department when they yeah. put this 53-man roster together because there is a lot of talent there
1: Jim we thank you very much for the time we'll talk to you on Sunday morning of course we'll be listening to you Gerard and Nathan coming up Saturday afternoon
3: all right guys have a good night
1: you too. Jim Donovan, the voice of your Cleveland Browns, joining us on the hotline. When we come back, we'll preview what's to come during the Kevin Stefanski show on Thursday and what we expect to see over these joint practices over the next couple of days. You're listening to the Cleveland Browns Preview Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network.
0: This is the Cleveland Browns Preview Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Ken Carman and Gerard Cherry. Browns
1: coming up on Sunday, taking off the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll have a couple of joint practices with the Eagles here on Thursday and Friday as it gets set for the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday. And we'll have the Kevin Stefanski show Thursday, night, 7 p.m., Nathan Zagura and our good buddy, Gerard Cherry. Well, Nathan's a good buddy, too. Let's be honest there, <laughs> right. Gerard. You guys will break down the joint practice number one and... They will talk to Coach Stefanski and the crew right after practice. So a lot of fantastic stuff going on in joint practice number one and joint practice number two. Gerard, what are we looking for in these joint practices before Sunday's game against Philadelphia?
2: Ah, oh, man, if you are a guy that's on the bubble, if you are a guy that has a lot of question marks, especially after the Jaguars preseason game, here's your opportunity to show that you are a comeback player of the year award candidate With how you go out there and practice, because these two practices are going to be pivotal. You're going to be put in situations in which coaches, one, have doubt about how they're going to get the job done. And if you find yourself being a solution to alleviating that fear and that worry that, hey, we don't have a guy that could do this specific thing, you're going to find yourself in a really good spot. So this is a great opportunity for the Anthony Schwartz of the world to go out there and, one, prove his merit and worth, and other guys who are in this position where we don't know, like the defensive tackle position.
1: Mm-hmm. What are the coaches trying to accomplish here over the
2: next couple of days? Figure out where we're weak and where we're strong and where we're weak, get better.
1: Are general managers and front office staff paying attention to other players on the other team just in case? <laughs> are they? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, i got to ask the question. I'll oh, just put it money. this
2: way. The D tackle room and the receivers on those rosters will be heavily looked at, because, uh, and as well as the offensive linemen, because that's the spots where we are what? Lacking in depth.
1: Yes, indeed. And and you, that's the beauty of a joint practice. You don't when you play well in a joint practice. You don't only look good to your own team. You look good to the other team as well. Because you say it, not a lot of teams are going to look at your practice film. So here's a chance for one team in particular Mm -hmm. to see your practice film. We see it all the time. Maybe not on an opening day roster. Maybe you'd be picked up. But later on in the year, they see somebody from Philadelphia or vice versa. Maybe they bring them in. You got yourself a job in the NFL and away you go. So plenty of opportunities coming up this week, Gerard. You know that.
2: Exactly. And this is where you make your mark. An opportunity in practice to potentially earn a job.
1: Make sure you're listening tomorrow night, Thursday night, 7 p.m., the Kevin Stefanski Show. Nathan Zagura and Gerard Cherry, Coach Stefanski, will join the crew right after practice. Then it starts at 9 a.m. on Sunday. Browns game day, Gerard and myself. 10 a.m., Jason Pinkston will join us. The Cleveland Browns kickoff show with Andy Baskin at 11 o'clock. Tyvis Powell will join us at noon and then kickoff from First Energy Stadium with Jim Donovan. Doug. Or Jim Donovan, Nathan Zagura, it rolls off the tongue after 10 years. I knew I was going to do it. Nathan Zagura and Gerard Cherry coming up at 1 p.m. from First Energy Stadium. Thanks, as always, to Jason Gibbs and Meredith Kane For Gerard Cherry, I'm Ken Carmen. Thanking you, as always, listening to the Cleveland Browns Preview Show on the University Hospitals, Cleveland Browns Radio Network.
0: You've been listening to the Cleveland Browns Preview Show. Join us next week for more behind-the-scenes Browns news from Berea. We always look at each game as how do we win this game and what does this game call for. This broadcast is a copyright of the Cleveland Browns and the National Football League. Any other use of this broadcast, descriptions, or accounts of the game without the prior consent of the NFL is strictly prohibited. This is the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. This is the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network.